Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, can I say Happy New Year? It's a new year, right? It's 2022. I don't know about you, but, but 2021 was a, was a really difficult year for me. Really difficult. At my last command, I was a part of 27 memorials or funerals. Whether I was conducting them or just part of them. And they ranged everywhere from, I buried my good friend Jeff, his daughter, who's eight years old, died of leukemia, to burying my co-worker who died at his desk, to a training accident. I was with the 1st Marine Regiment, and we had an amphibious assault vehicle that sunk and killed nine service members. And then later on uh, in, in July, I, I buried my dad. Buried my dad, uh, unexpected. He was young, 66 years old. And then after, right before I left, I came here, it, it was my, my, my unit, my regiment was in Afghanistan and at the airport there and the Abbey Gate, and 10 of them died. Nine Marines and one corpsman that, that I had relationship with. So I, so I ended 2021 with a heavy heart, heavy soul. I had to do a lot of, there was a lot of grief involved um, in coming here and saying goodbye and, and all that closure. And, and my heart was very heavy. Not to mention everything that's going on in the world that, that creates, creates more confusion and chaos and distraction, quite frankly, was so distracted. And the whole time the Lord's like, would you keep your eyes on me, Ryan? I'm in control. I'm the only one you need to listen to. So if you're being honest, I think that you would, would say, you know, Ryan, I, I, I'm right there with you. There's something about December and the holidays where maybe our resolutions for the past year start to fall apart, start to eat a lot more, start beginning Thanksgiving. And, um, and I don't know when the last time I saw the sun is, but I came from California where it's sunny every day. So all, all these things compounding, right? But if that's you, if that's you and you're thinking, man, I, Lord, I want to start, I want to start this year uh, new. I got some resolutions. If, how many of you are ready for a, just a fresh start in a brighter 2022? Yeah? Okay, we got one, one guy here. It's awesome. <laughs> if, if that's you, I think there was no better passage to start with than today's passage in Luke 4. Now, if you would turn with your, me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. Now, I didn't pick this passage. This passage was selected for me because we are following a lectionary. This is, this is the first time um, that I've, I've ever, in, in you know, over 20 years of preaching, that I've ever followed a lectionary. And I'm excited because I know millions of people today are going to hear the same exact passage uh, expounded on. And I'm a little crazy. You know, in, in seminary, as a systematic theology major, so I, I, when I jump into the text, I, I don't want to miss a thing. So uh, I understand I have eight hours here to, to exegete this passage. <laughs> no, don't be scared of the slides. There's going to be a little bit of Greek up there. But um, we're rightly dividing the word of truth. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and break it down. Uh, we could read this. Let's, let's read this passage together. 
Verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. 15, he taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he was, what he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. And the prophet of the the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant, and then he sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So I, I, my, my title for, for today's message was Jesus' mission statement. Did you know that Jesus had a mission statement? I never thought of it like, about like that, but this was his mission statement. Now, if you want to get all military, I have another title, and that title is, What are Jesus' Five Operational Objectives? Okay? Operational objectives, or, or you could call it his lines of operation. These five things that he was all about as soon as he hit the deck, he had five things in mind that he wanted to do for this end state of creating heaven on earth. Like living life here on earth as it is in heaven, it's called kingdom living. It's also called living free in Christ. It's also called Christianity. It's just how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live free. I heard a, I heard a wonderful song by Hawk Nelson on the radio the, the other day. It says, it's okay to act like you've been set free. Okay? It's okay to act like you've been set free. So, uh, in, in this passage, let's, let's jump right into it. In verse 14... I'll show the next slide here, just to paint a little context of what's going on. Because 14 says this, And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the vicinity. So I start need to ask, we need to start asking some questions here right now. Like, where, he's returning to Galilee, but where did he come from? Where did he just go? Now, it's, if you look at Luke, the very verse before, it says he was in the wilderness being tempted by the devil for 40 days. We, we know that story, right? Where Jesus in the wilderness 40 days, didn't eat. I don't know how he did that. I started to get hangry after like two hours. But Jesus was there because he was prepping himself for a rough three years of ministry. I mean, it was going to be intense. But between verses 13 and 14, you know what I found out? There's about four to five months, maybe upwards of half a year, that has passed in this short little First, so that's important because Jesus starts off here. I just, I made these up. I said phase one where, where John the Baptist introduces him and said, this is my cousin. He baptizes him. Then he goes into the wilderness. And then he starts ministering in the Judea area right here. Okay. And then after that, uh, like after the temptation, he's already done things. Like he's, he did the, he turned the water into wine. Uh, he, he met he met Nicodemus. Remember Nicodemus? He met the woman at the well, and after that he healed someone else's child. And so he's gaining momentum here, and news about him is spreading. That's what it means. Uh, who has watched the, the series The Chosen? Please raise your hand. If you haven't watched that, that is the best, the best series on, on Jesus that I have ever seen. 
and I'm not getting paid to say that. I'm just saying every, every episode, uh, my wife and my kids, we, we shed tears. We say, I've never seen Jesus like that before. That is amazing. So in, in, in The Chosen, it's, it's interesting because as they're packing their bags and, and then they're walking along, you know, this, this distance from the Dead Sea to the Sea of Galilee, as the crow flies, that's about 90 miles. And to walk 90 miles, man, that could take upwards of a week. So he had this, he had this crew with him. And at this point, he hasn't even recruited the disciples yet. He's just got a gang of people just following him. They're called disciples, curious disciples. There's committed disciples. There's convinced but not totally convinced disciples. And then there's coward disciples. There's all sorts of disciples, but they're just people who followed around the rabbi. And he's got a following now, and he's all the way back up here in north. And if you watch the Chosen series, uh, there's such a humanity about Jesus in that series where he's just so down to earth. I mean, the disciples are always fighting. The gang always gangs up and picks on Matthew because he's a tax collector and a traitor. And, and Jesus comes in with so much grace, so much mercy. I won't give you any, any more of that, even though it's, all the answers are here. But it's, <laughs> it's, a, great, it's a great series. You've you got to watch it just to get your mind wrapped around what it might have looked like. So that's all that happens here uh, when he returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Now this is, I want to I camp out here for just a second. Who, when you're empowered by the Spirit, what does your life look like? What does your life look like when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit? Well, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that's a song I learned in 1986 in, in my VBS. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Uh, if you're a volunteer for VBS, God bless you. We, we'll never forget the things we learned. Uh, we, we need volunteers too for that. Okay, short little plug. Back to the sermon. Jesus is filled with the Spirit, right? And everywhere he goes, people are like, there's something different about that guy. When somebody walks in the room and they're filled with the Spirit, i.e. either filled with love in truth, there's something about them that, that draws me to them. Now, on the opposite, if someone walks in with a lot of knowledge, it's kind of off-putting, isn't it? At least, at least it is for me. I'm like, and I bet people said that about me in, in, the, in the dark years of my life, uh, the first seven years of being an active-duty chaplain. <laughs> I wasn't. I'm a recovering Pharisee had a lot of religion, had a lot of knowledge, but not a lot of love for people. But now I just want to be like Jesus. All that stuff and a lot of love because I'm filled with the Spirit. So wherever Jesus is going, that's why he's so attractive because he's, he's love. He is love. And, and news about him is spreading throughout the vicinity. Now 15. He was teaching in their synagogues and being praised by everybody. So Jesus is, is, a, is a church kid, if you will. This is what he grew up doing. Every, every, every week he would come into synagogue, he would do his thing, and he would learn, uh, just like all the children here. So if you're, if you're here, you're like Jesus. This is what he did. And verse 16, and, and the synagogues were, were, were these places, it was, it was sort of like what we're doing here. Like they, fo- they all followed a, uh, a sort of like a lectionary. They had certain verses they needed to read, and there was, a, there was an order for service. 
And uh, during the diaspora, when all the Jews were spread out, these synagogues were all in different places so that people could worship in different places. So now, Jesus, verse 16, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And here, remember I just said, it's his custom. As, is, uh, as was usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So, Nazareth, this is where Jesus grew up. It's sort of like a, a ghetto, little, obscure town on west side of Galilee that not a lot of people know about. In fact, it does have a reputation, but it's a bad reputation. They go like, um, Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, um, I'm from California, but there's a city there. <laughs> I have really good friends in it, but they're like, anybody been to California? Well, there's one city called Barstow. They're like, Barstow? Can anything good come out of Barstow? Like, one of my best friends is from there, so I'm making fun of the place. But it's just like Nazareth. Like, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. But Jesus is back in his hometown. It's small, so they're going to know him. Now, I know exactly what this feels like, because my last duty station was at Camp Pendleton, and I grew up on that base. I grew up hanging out on that base, and my dad worked at uh, Southern California Edison at the power plant right there. And so last duty station, it's 2019, I get there, and I haven't seen people in 25 years. If you can do the math, that's when I was in high school. Um, I didn't do a lot of drugs and alcohol. That's why, that's why I still look young, you know. So, so you're like, what? I thought you are in high school last year. No. At the commissary, people look at my wife. We have four kids, and they go, wait till you're done with high school before you start having more kids. But anyways, I digress. When I got back to my hometown, people were like, Ryan, you're a pastor now? I would like to hear you preach. Where are you preaching? That's what's going on with Jesus. He walks back into town, and they're like, there he is. Dude, that's Jesus. That's, that's Joseph's son. Hey, when, when are you preaching next? Well, I'll be at uh, the synagogue uh, on, on the Sabbath, um, and I'll be preaching. I'll be teaching. I'm going to be there. That's the scene here. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. Now, it was customary for, the, for traveling rabbis, rabbis to, to come in, and then they would say, here, read it. So, so watch what happens here. The scroll, this is verse 17 now. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unrolling the scroll... He found the place where it was written. There's a couple of views on here, whether it was, no, Jesus, this is the passage you're, you're going to read. The second option is they just gave him the scroll, and he goes, watch this. I know exactly why. It's about to get real. Because <laughs> Jesus, I don't care which view you believe, Jesus is sovereign. <laughs> He's God. He is God, so he knows exactly what he wants to say. He knows Oh my gosh, this passage that people have been waiting thousands of years to come true, it's about, I'm getting goosebumps, it's about to come true in the congregation. How do I know that? Because Jesus says that. He, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit, and I'm going to show these passages side by side. Jesus is quoting, Jesus is reading Psalm uh, Isaiah 61 here. So I, I just put them side by side here. Um, so on the left-hand side, you'll see what the prophet says, and you'll see what Jesus says on the right. And here, what, what I like to do, if you, if you look at my Bible, all my verbs, I put a box around the verbs, because if, if the Word of God is going to tell you to do something, it's always going to be in a verb form. So pay attention to the verbs. And if you want to see what Jesus is doing, uh, then you just put a box around the verbs, and you'll see all the action words. 
okay? You'll see all the action words. So what stands out to me are uh, four key verbs here. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to, one, preach good news to the poor. Second verb, to proclaim release or freedom or forgiveness to the captives. The third one, to proclaim recovery in sight to the blind. Another verb, to set free the oppressed. Four, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Okay, you ready to get nerdy here? I'm going to show... I'm gonna show if this looked like a, a military slide, then these would be the five operational objectives with the end state of creating kingdom life here on earth as it is in heaven, which if you didn't know, we're supposed to be living like this every single day. Not supposed to be bummed out, not supposed to be worrying. For some reason, a lot of us were starting to fear death, but the last time I checked, it's not bad to be absent from the body and face-to-face with the Lord. Amen? we say amen in this? Okay. It's not a bad thing. I'm not afraid to get sick. I'm not afraid to die. I've never been so sure that someone was with the Lord than when my dad died. And I wrestled with a lot of bitterness because we don't know how he died. Went to the hospital. I mean, my dad was a, was a, was a COVID survivor. Right? He got released. You're, you're clear. Later on, he got pneumonia and then and then and they, they, found, they found out that he, he made a decision, a medical decision for himself. And after they found out what that decision was, they started to treat him badly. And then they gave him some, um, some medicine called remdesivir, and then it killed him. And I wrestled. You know, I'm, being, I'm just being completely transparent. I wrestled with that for a little bit, and then the Lord reminded me, Ryan, there's no, there's no mistakes in my book. I'm in control of everything. My dad's favorite verse was Hebrews 12, 9. It is appointed for man to die once and after that to face judgment. And every time I'd get my eyes back on the Lord, I would calm down. Every time I'd get my eyes on everything that's going on around me, rather than what's going on inside me, I started to worry. I got my eyes off of Jesus. Where I'm at right now, my eyes are on Jesus. And I'm fine. Perfectly fine. So, uh, kingdom living right? Look at these. The, the verbs here, preach good news to the poor. Second verb, proclaim. Uh, proclaim reco- recovery of sight, setting people free and proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. And I'll show you again. Uh, if I, the, the, the next slide I have here, I've kind of interpreted these things. Okay, so the, who are the poor? Well, if you look at Matthew chapter 5 in that sermon on the Beatitudes, which was a great episode on the chosen end of the last episode on season two amazing amazing how he came how he finally he read the beatitudes to matthew who was recording it all and he said blessed are the poor in spirit well who are the poor in spirit well they're people that are humble people have ears to hear a a poor person is desperate desperate for help this word used is often used for, for for beggars and but Jesus, for all of these things, these, all these five objectives, Jesus doesn't just stay with the earthly, worldly, literal. He's always talking about something way deeper, eternal things, spiritual things. Yes, Jesus wants to preach to the, to the poor, the, the literally poor, but also the poor in spirit, Matthew 5. So these are people who have ears to hear. Second, 
He wants to set people free from, from bondage, right, captivity, but not only physically, but, but also spiritually, to proclaim release. That word there for release is freedom, proclaim release to the captives. Uh, it's not just people literally in jail. It's people who are in bondage every day to sin. And let's not think that addictions and bondage is only drugs and alcohol. It can be something like work. It can be something very subtle like church. I mean, anything can become an idol. John Calvin said, our hearts are idol factories. They want to worship everything and anything that's not God. And if I say, this is a litmus test for me in my own heart, if I say the word I need, and at the end of that sentence is not the word G-O-D, then it's an idol. That's why I don't even say to my kids, I need you to eat your vegetables. I, need you to, I don't need any of that. Because the moment I need it, God's on the side saying, well, what about me? I thought you only needed me. I thought I supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. So it looks like I don't need anything. Um, I have a list of, of things that my wife owes me. It's like this long right here. But it's blank. Because my wife doesn't owe me a thing. You don't owe me a thing. Did you know that? I'm completely set free from you and needing anything to, from you, and I'm free to love you. If my four children one day, they say, hey, Dad, thanks for the, thanks for the shelter, thanks for the food, I'm out of here. Um, they don't owe me a thing. I'm not doing it. I'm not raising them to get a thank you. I'm trying to please the Lord. That's the whole operation of, of my life, is to, is to please the Lord. So, Jesus comes to set free um, addicts, that addiction can be any kind and any flavor, spiritually. What about spiritual blindness? Who is the spiritually blind? Maybe it's people that Jesus was talking to that they had religion, but they had no relationship with God. Complete blindness. And I'm speaking as somebody who was completely blind, and it, it, it took people who were loving in my life to come around me and say, dude, you are so blind <laughs> to your own arrogance. I, I, I believe this one, it was, it was, I'll just humbly tell you. I, I said, I will not listen to anybody unless they have an MDiv. And it has to be accredited. And you kind of have to be the same gender as me. I, I believe a bunch of silly, nonsensical things until the Lord set me free. He actually laughed at that. He goes, <laughs> okay, I'm going to bring into your life um, a guy. His name is Dan Moeller. He's a plumber, never went to school, but he loves Jesus. And he humbled me, and this guy mentored me, and he loved me. I was set free. I was set free. I was blind. Now I can see. That song means so much to me now. I was blind, but now I can see. And Jesus set me free. Spiritual woundedness, the oppressed. It says, it says here, to set free the oppressed. You know, that word for oppressed is, is, is someone who's broken. Someone who's shattered. We all have wounds. I think you have to live about five years before you start experiencing some life wounds. Maybe even younger. Things that need to be dealt with, given to Jesus, otherwise they hold me down. That's all of us. The five wounds. So, let's just go a little bit deeper into, it, into each of these words. If, if, we, if we look at the words here, I'm just going to brief, briefly go through all of these verbs. Um, next slide, please. Preaching the good news to the poor. Preaching the good news to the poor. That's the word. It's that Greek word there. Euangelizo. Well, it's actually euangelizo, right? The good news. 
the good news to the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You can't have good news without bad news. Right? It's just like there's no such thing as cold without hot. There's no such thing as dark without light. So there's no such thing as preaching good news unless there's a lot of bad news. Well, what's the bad news? The bad news is this is a broken and messed up place. I'm sure if you were to read my journal, you would find a lot of bad news. You would, because I'm honest in my journal. I'm honest with my friends and family, with my wife. There's, there's a lot of bad news, and then I am able to preach the good news to myself. Oh, I forgot Jesus set me free. That's, that's the good news. Let's look at the next word here. We've already broken down poor here. Um, to proclaim the, to the release to the captives. Who are the captives? Well, this Greek word here, um, captives, uh, it comes from two Greek words. Eichme, which is spear, and halitos, which is taken. It's literally someone who's taken at spear point. Now, this might actually remind Jewish people of, oh, yeah, that's us. We were taken into captivity against our will. We were put in exile. We were, there's, we, they have a lot of that in their history. But it's not just that. It's a spiritual bondage. It's a, there's spiritual bondage that happens all the time. The world calls it addiction. We don't, we don't call it addiction. We call it, well, those are idols. That's spiritual bondage. And people need to be set free from those things. Jesus is there to proclaim uh, freedom to everybody who's in bondage. And like I said before, it's not just the bad stuff. But we have to be on guard because our hearts can worship anything, and that can be bondage. Uh, this Bible right here, there was one time where I worshipped this Bible. And it meant more to me than anything else. You're like, well, what's wrong with that? What? One time my son spilled coffee and I got so upset. Spilled it on this, this, this little book. My friend Jared, my pastor Jared came here and he goes, yeah, yeah, that's, that's not what we should be doing. Right? Church can be an idol. Ministry can be an idol. All sorts of addictions. Jesus comes and says, no, I'm, I'm setting you free from that. I have set you free from that, so you don't have to do that anymore. Next, um, to the blind, recovery of sight. The, this word here for blind, um, it, it talks about uh, the inability to see, like a lot of fog. And this is a lot of, of, of us who loved religion, loved to exegete scriptures, but we were missing something. We are missing love. That's blindness. Jesus called people in John 8 blind guides. They had a religious spirit. They had a lot of religion. They had a lot of church. The culture, church culture was down, but they were, they were unknown. Jesus came to set them free. Jesus came to set them free. How about this? The, the, the other category, the oppressed. You know this word for oppressed? Uh, it's literally, it's thro-o, to, to throw a piece of pottery in the floor, and it's shattered. Everybody in this room has wounds that need to be dealt with. I, I, think there's, I, think there's five, I think there's five wounds. Fear wounds, anger wounds, deceit wounds. 
Shame wounds and sadness wounds or loss. Fads, fear, anger, deceit, shame, sadness, or loss. And we can walk around with these wounds, right? And they start manifesting in all different, different, different sorts of ways until we bring them to the Lord and then acknowledge them and talk about them. Jesus came to set us free, so when we live in gospel-centered community, we can talk about those things. We can talk, if you've lived just a few years, if everybody in here just lived life long enough, you're going to get hurt, or you're going to hurt somebody else. Those are wounds, and they have to be dealt with. But let me tell you, it, it starts off uh, with, like, uh, people test the water, right, like, I don't know if I could, I could share what I've done. It's pretty heinous. I don't, I don't know if I could share what's happened to me. It's, people are gonna, our, our greatest fear is rejection. But Jesus set us free so we can go and talk about those things. You cannot heal what you don't feel, and we can't feel what we, we don't get in touch with. Jesus is creating communities where people just can open kimono, sit down, and say, here's exactly, here's exactly where I'm at. Here's exactly where I am. Isolation is not the worst thing we do, but it is how we do all the worst things. Jesus sets us free so that I can get into a a gospel community where I sit down and say, here's exactly where I'm at. And in that moment, I trust that Jesus is the Lord, and I'm going to look beyond the fact that I might get shamed or I might get rejected. I'm going to trust. And if that happens... There's something powerful that happens in those gospel communities. I think this is hurting the church more than anything else. It's fear of man over over fear of God. It's hurting. It's hurting us. And so we walk around not able to be healed. We walk around. This last portion here, Jesus is coming to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Well, what is that? So he's quoting Isaiah, he's reading Isaiah 61, but Isaiah 61 is alluding to Leviticus 25. And Leviticus 25 says this, uh, You are to consecrate the 50th year and proclaim freedom in the land for all its inhabitants. It will be your jubilee. The year of the Lord's favor is also called the year of jubilee. It comes every 50 years and it's a whole year of doing what? Forgiving everybody of their debts, forgiving people of, of their sins, giving back land. A year where, the, where the, the, everybody gets a break. The, the land, the crops, don't touch it. Because there's a lot of practicality in, in, the, in the scriptures, but if you work land too much, then it stops bearing fruit. Here, they knew that if they, if they give time off, of the land, it'll actually be more productive when, when it comes back. This is, this is also the, this theme of Sabbath. Like, if we work seven days a week, that's not good. It's not good. I mean, I bury people for a living. Nobody ever said, I'm so glad I did those extra hours in the office. It's always regret. Because we don't learn. I, I'll speak for I statements here. I, I had to learn the hard way that uh, I should rest. I should rest. The year of Jubilee was a time to set slaves free, to forgive people. You see the theme throughout this whole passage is forgiveness and freedom. That's what Jesus is bringing here. He's saying when he gets here, 
here's why I've come to set people free, to set people free here, to set this type of people free, to set this type of people free. He came so people could walk in freedom. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. It's all about freedom. Now, uh, verse 20, then he rolled up the scroll. Um, I, timed his, I timed his reading of the word here. It was 20 seconds. So this is like the shortest sermon ever. I am way over time right now. Uh, Jesus reads scripture for 20 seconds. He's supposed to read three verses, but he stops at two and a half because he can't keep reading because he needs to be able to say, today this scripture has been fulfilled. That's why he didn't read the part about vengeance, right? He's reading the part about love and forgiveness and grace because that vengeance day comes later on. And that's the end time stuff. For right now, he can't say this has been fulfilled. But for this stuff, Jesus has already set people free. So now what, what do we need freedom from? What do you need freedom from? What do I need, free, need freedom for? I mean, I'd like to think that in the past, yeah, I gave my life to Jesus. I trusted him. Uh, 2013 was my rock bottom, and then I saw the Lord, and he set me free. And then any other year would go by, I'm like, oh, that thing's still there? Why am I still doing that? Why am I still treating my kids like this? Why am I, why am I a draconian dad like yesterday? And then I come right back to Jesus is whispering it so graciously and tenderly into my ear. I've already set you free, Ryan. You can be kind to yourself. I want you to go uh, to your wife and tell her everything. I want you to go to your, to your friends, your little community group, and role model what grace looks like when I give you grace, and you can just say exactly where you're at. Right? I, got, I got no secrets. I have zero secrets. Prior to 2013, I was 99% known. I was 99% known. And if you are 99% known, guess what? You're not known. And if I'm 99% known, then I actually prevent myself from being loved because I say to my wife or my friends, well, if you knew this 1%, then you wouldn't love me, so therefore I'm going to keep it. And nobody gets this. And so I'm not loved. Until I remember that Jesus, this is why he came, so I can be free, so I can actually start living like I'm free. Today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. Now, that is a mic drop moment. Like, boom! Thousands of years of prophecy, right here. It's done. Uh, They were all, verse 22, they were all speaking well of him and were amazed by the gracious words that came from his mouth. Yet they said, "Isn't, isn't this Joseph's son? Now, I have to stop there because that's where the lectionary reading stops. But the, ne- the, the next, you've got to come back for the next passage, uh, gets even better. Oh, I'll just give you the secret. They try to throw him off a cliff. Okay, so they try to kill him. That's next week. Yes, that's next week. little precursor. Um, but at, at this point, it's free. So, so let, me, let me just ask, ask you this. Uh, how does this apply to you and me? You know, this, this, this theme of forgiveness, the year of Jubilee, this theme of releasing people, proclaim release and freedom and forgiveness to the captives. Um, what kind of bitterness do you have here? What kind of bitterness do you have? I think there's, there's, there's four types of, of bitterness. There's, if, if I'm angry, anger is, is I'm bitter towards you. You did something to me. Right? Guilt is I'm angry at myself. Because I did something, and I think I owe myself something. 
You see, jealousy is I'm bitter towards God because I think God owes me something. Right? I use this example every time. I was like, if I if I wanted to be jealous and I would be bitter at God, I would say, well, God, why didn't you make me five foot two instead of five foot one? Could have been in the NBA or something like that, right? But but God doesn't owe me a thing. So I can actually forgive God. I can release him. I can cancel that debt and, and say he doesn't owe me anything. I'm happy how he made me. And I really am. One time we were locked out of the house when we were kids and then guess who they put through the window? That was my gift. That was my calling. Um, uh, bitterness towards the world is, is um, well, it's called greed. Like, I know my work doesn't owe me anything. A lot of us in the military as well, it's like when we leave a command, like, hey, I wanted, I wanted this color little ribbon thing on my chest instead of that color, and my work owes me that. Like, I did this, they should, they should write me a letter of appreciation. No, that's not how Jesus wants us to live. Nobody owes us anything. Now imagine this with me. Church, if 2022, what if this just became a year of jubilee and you just forgave everybody of everything that they've ever done? What if you forgave yourself of everything that you've ever done, you let yourself off the hook? What if you forgave your past job or your past employer or your boss? What if you forgave them for everything they've ever done and you just started walking free? Remembering that Jesus said, I want you to walk free because I've set you free. This whole thing's about freedom in Christ. Freedom from your own pride, addictions, from ignorance, from wounds, bitterness. It's freedom in Christ. I'll end with this. My last slide will be, what is true freedom? What is true freedom? Now, this is tricky because I talk about being free from a certain mentality or free from this wound that I experienced when I was little or, or free from these people that might have done this to my loved ones. But true freedom, biblical freedom, isn't the absence of something in my life. It's about the presence of someone. I'll prove it to you because it says it right here in 2 Corinthians 3.17. It says, Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So wherever the spirit is, you are free. There's a song called Waymaker that says, even when I don't feel it, he's working. Even when I don't see it, he's working. You never stop, you never stop working. You heard that song? I love that song. There will be a time today or tomorrow where you don't feel like you're free because that same old sin is there, because the same old way you talk is still there, the same old thing that nobody knows about that you did behind closed doors, whatever time, is still there. But you are free if you have the Spirit of God in you, the Spirit of Christ. So let's come together and walk like we're free. Father, thank you for giving us today's passage. Thank you for Jesus, our role model, telling us why he came to set captives free to give people sight who can't see. To proclaim a year of release and forgiveness. God, we dedicate 2022 to you. Let this be a year of jubilee. Let this be a, our own year of freedom. Canceling every debt and walking in freedom. It's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.